because we may feel a little fear and, un- and discomfort and feel uncomfortable about sharing everything that we know and we don't even think we know enough. But what about the opportunity to listen and to hear what they have to say and what they ask? Conversations about the hope that is within us that are worthy of a little bit of dialogue and exchange. So today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to see how an experience like the ones that Max and Becky had might be exactly what God has in store for us as well. So 1 Peter 3, Peter, who grew up as a Jew, who knew the Old Testament very well, who was chosen uh, after he was working as a fisherman by Jesus to be one of Jesus' 12 select disciples, apostles. Uh, Peter, who was outspoken and often was the first one to answer Jesus' questions. He had a lot to say, sometimes needed to do more listening. Uh, Peter, who was the one who was outspoken and said, Lord, I, I won't leave you no matter what. I would die for you. But then who uh, runs away and then who denies Jesus right on the night that he's betrayed and arrested. Uh, Peter, who's restored by Jesus. Personally, Jesus comes to him and says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Because he needed that encouragement after he had betrayed the Lord. This Peter, this real guy who often spoke before he was ready and embarrassed himself and then wasn't quite as you know, fearless as he claimed to be. This guy, Peter, is writing to Christians who are some of them suffering and others afraid that they'll be suffering. And he writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. A rhetorical question. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Now, Peter's question is a great question because it it reminds us that when we're doing good things for people, they're less likely to want to hurt us. Service projects usually are not the thing that get Christians persecuted. Listening to others are not the things that get Christians rejected. Doing good for others is not likely the reason for suffering. But, as these people know, and as Peter knows, there might be suffering that comes anyways. It's very possible that you do good, you do good, and you love people, and there's still a rejection, that there's still suffering. So he says, even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. It doesn't mean you'll feel blessed, but it means you are blessed in the eyes of God. Now Peter got this idea, this wild, upside-down, backwards idea of blessing, from no one else than Jesus, who he had spent three years with following around and asking questions and speaking before it was his turn. Because when Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, do you remember what he said? He said, when people reject you, when they treat you wrong, they slander you, for my name's sake, you are blessed. In fact, Jesus gave a number of blessings that we call the Beatitudes. And the Greek word is the same word that Peter uses here because he's echoing what Jesus had taught him. That real blessing is not always dressed up as success and being accepted, but sometimes as being rejected. But you're blessed. And then he quotes from the Old Testament, which Peter grew up reading. Remember, he was a Jew who grew up reading the Old Testament. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. Do not fear 
their threats. Do not be frightened. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. If you and I are being honest about our own emotions, when we think about sharing our faith with someone else, we feel a little fear. Now, maybe some of you don't, but you'd be the weird ones in the room. (laughs) Most of us, reasonable people, like to be liked, and we want to be accepted. And the idea of sharing our faith today, where people don't get that deep with each other in public, is a little scary. Now, there's some levels of conversation that we're all comfortable having with a stranger, For some of you, it is the absolute bare minimum, you know. Ah, weather's good today, huh? Yep. That's it. Anything more and you've stretched me beyond my comfort zone. Okay, you know who you are. Some of us are a little bit, we can go a little further than that, you know. How about that Bentonville half marathon the other day? That was pretty cool, right? Do you like to run? Oh, see, now you've invested. You've asked them a question. Well, yes, I do. Do you? You know, and you start a little conversation about something that's going on in our area. And then maybe for a lot of us, that's about where your interest level burns out, right? Okay, that's about as far as we can go. And by the way, I need to squash a lie about me. There's a lie going around that says that I ran the half marathon yesterday. I'd really like that lie to continue. (laughs) It makes me look really good. It makes me sound really good. But I didn't run the half marathon. I ran the 5K. Uh, To all of those of you who ran the real thing, congratulations. You did a good job. That might be as far as your conversation is comfortable going. For some of you, it may get a little bit more personal. And here's here's the thing. It is probably not going to get much deeper than that with just somebody that you meet randomly. right? We all know that for a conversation, a dialogue, an exchange to go a little deeper, it's usually going to be because you're friends with them. So usually, if you're sitting down to eat with somebody, conversation goes a little further than that, okay? So you go to lunch with somebody, you're getting to know a coworker, you have a a neighbor that comes over for a meal or whatever, and you ask them a little bit more. And you find out something really meaningful about their life, like uh, their parents and how their parents died with cancer and how they think about that and how they worry about that. Or about their children who are in another city and very successful, but they don't hear from them as often as they would like and how they feel about that. And you see how there's these rings, there's this, you know, the weather today, there's, there's, you know, what do you like to do, activities in our area, there's about you and your family, okay, as you're getting deeper into who they are, and, and what's going on in their life, and what they believe. This is, where, this is where fear starts to set in for some of us because when you get deep into sharing and exchange and dialogue and then somebody doesn't like your perspective, okay? like, yeah, I'm a Christian and my hope is in Jesus, and they go, I, oh, 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 I had an aunt that was a Christian, right, and she took me to church all the time and it was terrible and I didn't like it. I had an uncle that was a Christian and it turned out he was a crook, he was a criminal, he cheated on his taxes, and all Christians are hypocrites. They start kind of throwing what lobbing grenades in right y'all know what an emotional grenade lob feels like this is what Peter's talking about we fear he says don't fear their threats don't be frightened and in his original context in the first century it was probably even more severe than that okay to be honest in the first century context there's some clues in this scripture 
that this might have been as severe as Christians being threatened like drug into court and put on trial for whether or not they were faithful to the society and the public civic religion. Okay, but for you and me, we fear these grenades of rejection. He says, but in your hearts, revere. Revere Christ as Lord. Now here is what is so, for you Bible nerds, you're going to love this part. For people who are like, move on to the point, okay, hold me for a second. But for you Bible nerds, just look at this, okay. Peter, growing, growing up as a Jew, reading the Old Testament, is quoting Isaiah 8, verses 12 and 13. In those verses, Isaiah, preaching to the Jews long, long before, says to them, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened about the Assyrian invaders. And then he says, but fear the Lord. Okay, this is Isaiah, fear the Lord. And in Isaiah, he uses the same word uh, for fear, right? Like, don't be afraid of the enemy army, but fear the Lord, which means to reverence him. What happens here is that Peter quotes the scripture but changes two words for impact for Christians. And the first word he changes is, he doesn't use the word fear Christ as Lord, he uses the Greek word that means to make him holy, okay? To sanctify Jesus in your mind. What does that mean? Peter, remembering Jesus' prayer, our Father in heaven hallowed be thy name. Everybody, everybody knows this, right? Say it with me. Say the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, that's the word. Jesus said about the Father in heaven, may you be holy. In other words, may you and your mission and your ideas and your appointments be more important to me and more holy to me than anything else, okay? Peter picks up on that prayer and he says about Jesus, may Jesus and his mission and his appointments and his lordship and his leading be more hallowed to me than my fears. Peter is saying, we all have fears, but let's not let them rule us. We all have discomfort, but let's not hallow it and give it charge. Let's hallow Christ as Lord, okay? Okay. And then he says this, always be prepared to give an answer. The word he uses here for answer is where we get our word apology from, but not in the sense of, oh, I did wrong, I'm sorry, let me offer an apology, but in the sense of what is your reasoning for your hope? What is your defense? What is your understanding of the world? Peter right here is saying, if you're going to have some meaningful interaction with others, what you need to do is be able to present to them the reason for your hope, an apology, an apologetic for your hope. I don't hope in Jesus just on blind faith. I've got a history with him. He has a history that's told through these stories of Scripture where God's faithfulness over and over is reliable and dependable, and I've experienced part of that history, so my faith has some reason to it. There's some guts to it. There's some structure to it. 
And I need to be prepared to give this answer to anyone who might ask for the reason of the hope that I have. I don't expect you to remember, uh, as Keith Lancaster jokingly said last week, uh, I don't expect you to remember a sermon from eight weeks ago. Okay, I really don't. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But right about that long ago, we had a sermon about hope from Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when God says you're overflowing with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's not just recycling for you, that's overflowing hope, which means you're getting the hope and it's flowing out to others and people can see when you get beyond the weather and yeah, we all like to do outdoor activities in Bentonville, get out and play, and you get into the story about their parent with cancer or the story about their kid that doesn't call them anymore or their aunt and uncle that were a Christian and they don't get Christians or whatever the personal thing is. You get a little deep with them. And if they're ever interested in, how did you get through? See, I had, my grandma had cancer. Oh, you know, what was that like for you? And you're able to tell them a little bit about why you have hope. No, we, as a church, we bury people. We marry them and we bury them. And sometimes it's real easy when we bury them to have hope overflowing because of there's just so much good to say and there's so much and they live this full long and sometimes it is hard. Okay, but in that moment, what are you gonna share with them? What's the reason for the hope? What did God do for you when your parent passed away? How does God sustain you the days that the child doesn't call? And so on and so on. And do it with gentleness and respect and a clear conscience so that anyone who would speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, let's put the scripture down for a second and if you would, pull out that worksheet. I hope, I really hope that you heard what I said at the beginning you don't have to take my ideas. You don't have to like these ideas. But what I'm about to give you are some ideas that our public faith team has pulled together as they've done research and as they've listened to some really great content that comes from other churches. We've borrowed heavily from some content from a church in New York City that has put out some similar material. And what we have here on your worksheet uh, is a bike trail going up a mountain with seven switchbacks on it. And what I'm going to give you today and next week and the week after uh, are we're going to fill in some of this worksheet about things that God might create appointments for you and me to do with others. Okay. Now here's one of the keys. You've got to bring your worksheet back, okay? Or if, bring something that you can take notes in that you bring back. So let's start right here. Uh, authentic relationships. I'm calling this the parking lot because it's, it's before number one. This is at the bottom of your page. Don't fill this in on number one. Uh, we're going to go up the hill, numbers one through six. But right now, we're just at the parking lot. We're not even on the trail yet. Okay, so at the bottom of the page and a little bit of blank space, you might write some of these things down. What do we mean when we say you have an opportunity to exchange and have dialogue and hope with other people? Well, it might just mean, like in Max's example, letting them know that you go to church. You know, there's somebody that you've known for a while, they may just not know this about you. Some of us are insulated Christians. 
And they might not see the things you post on Facebook about Jesus. And they just don't know. God may lead you to listen to people, like we've talked about already today, to have meaningful conversations. But the key here is that we're not talking so much, we're doing lots and lots of listening. Lots of listening, lots of questions. God may lead you at the right moment, like we've said today, to share how your faith has helped you in the loss of a loved one, in the loss of a job, in the struggles in your marriage. And this might be just as simple as saying, you know, it was really hard to get up every day. But I do believe uh, that there's a resurrection. And so I know that life is worth living, that God's not done with me yet. It might be as simple as that. But sharing how your faith has helped you, how do you get out of bed in the morning? Another one is asking people about what they believe and not responding, not telling them that they're wrong or telling them that they got it half right or whatever, but just asking and listening about what matters in life. So for instance, you do get into a real good conversation over lunch or you know, at a funeral or wherever when people are ready to talk. And you might ask them, what, what's the most important thing in your life? A simple testimony that you share about your faith journey. You know, I was... The last person my friends expected to become a Christian. And here's how God changed that. I was the last person. I said I would never, ever, ever become a preacher, right? And here's how God changed that. Is the way that Josh Bundy might do it. And you might have a way of saying, here's how God brought me on a journey to the place where I'm at now. You see, you're not preaching Jesus to them. You're not proselytizing them. You're not asking them, are they ready to make a decision right now at this moment? You're just simply sharing and exchanging a hope that's worthy of some dialogue. You might get to a point where you ask them, you know, what do you think about Jesus? Where are you at in that? You might get to a point where there's something been meaningful to you, like a great book, a great article, a podcast that helped you in your time of crisis, and you say, here, you know, I, this helped me. I, if you want it, you can listen to it or you can read it. Okay. Now here's, I'm going to make a, I'm going to skip the next two slides. We're going to come back to them next Sunday. Okay. So for right now, that's, that's all. Just think about it. Let it settle in this week. Let it marinate. Throw that in your crock pot and let it cook for a while. See what happens. Okay. Because all we're doing together, we're not telling anybody what to do or how to do it. We're just saying if the Holy Spirit has appointments for you, then maybe by praying and thinking and looking inside, God will lead us to a step that could make an eternal difference. And instead of being handcuffed by fear of what we think somebody would say or our own lack of ability, our own lack of knowledge or all of the usual excuses and cultural arguments that get slung back and forth and lobbed like grenades against faith and against Christianity in specific, maybe by taking the time to just get to know somebody heart to heart and by sanctifying Jesus' mission, his appointments and his agenda as the most important guiding light in our life that we might actually make a difference because it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil so why wouldn't we take a chance with God on this why wouldn't we put out a sign whether it's a yard sign or a hand of friendship why wouldn't we share the hope that lies within and you know what I believe in you I believe that you can do this 
Because when Jesus left this earth, he said, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in my church and you will do greater things than you've even seen me do. When Jesus left this world, he said, it's better for you that I leave and that I send the counselor to you. God's plan was not for Jesus to come and convert the whole world. It was for Jesus to come and establish a church who would go out and share the hope within them to the whole world. Can I get an amen? We believe in you. The Lord believes in us. So today as we stand and we sing our closing song and we offer our invitation, my request to all of you is to respond by being prayerfully attentive to these ideas for the weeks to come and be aware and listen to both God and to people and to pray. Let's stand this morning, let's sing, and if you'd like our helper prayers, please come down forward. Come to the hill of Cal-